Uh, today is our last Sunday before the new year. Before you know it, we're entered into 2013. And uh, entering into a new year is always one of those times where it's a, a reasonable time to be reflecting over the last 12 months and to think of what's been happening in those times and whether we're happy or not how we've lived the last year. Uh, I think it's a really good time to be thinking about the ways that God has been uh, interactive in our life. How has He been blessing us? How has He been calling us towards Himself? And to celebrate that, as we mentioned the week before, that, that praising God is a hugely important thing in our lives. That's um, God desires to be blessed by us, uh, by acknowledging His work in our lives. So as we enter into 2013, I, I just encourage you to take some time today, today or tomorrow and uh, just set aside time to think through ways that God has been calling you to himself this last year. And how have we grown in our relationship with our Savior? Uh, have we enjoyed abiding in Christ? And have we enjoyed walking in the Spirit? I think for me, the, the phrase walking in the Spirit has always been the most confusing one. We, we talk a lot about God the Father. We talk a lot about the blessings of Jesus Christ. But we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit and what it means to walk in him. Uh, a few weeks ago, I remember Azar uh, talking with us about his uh, time in India, and he was teaching about the Trinity, and uh, about how the Trinity is all uh, equally important, how we love them all. And he, but he, on his, one of his sessions, he said, and today I get to talk about Jesus, my, my favorite one. And one of his students says, no, no, that can't be. Jesus can't be your favorite. You have to love everybody the same, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I think for a lot of us, we relate the most to Jesus because we read about him in, in the Gospels. We, we, we start thinking of him as, a, as a, a person that we can relate to. But the Holy Spirit, it's harder to get a grasp on what does it mean to have a relationship with him and walk with him. And so the Holy Spirit's myst, uh, mysterious. And I think that's something that we need to embrace and ask God to give us understanding and joy in, in getting to know more clearly who the Holy Spirit is. As with Jesus, some ways that we can get to know the Holy Spirit are just by the names that Scripture has given to him, that he has given himself. Um, one of the first ones that comes to mind is that he's a spirit of comfort. And uh, as Kevin mentioned, for many people, we're at different places today as far as our need for comfort. And what I'd encourage you is that in any need, but when we're looking for God to just to feel his presence, to be uh, just enraptured by his care, that that's the time where we can say, Lord, teach me about your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, may I rely on your comfort. And in that time, we can have a growing experience of knowing the Holy Spirit and walking in step with him. He's also called the spirit of adoption, the spirit of life, the spirit of power, the spirit of grace, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of truth. And today what we're going to focus on is the spirit of wisdom. Uh, scripture says again and again that wisdom is the most important thing that we can pursue for, right? We, we have Christ as our Savior, and Christ is wisdom, right? So when we say that wisdom is the most important thing to pursue for, it's in a relationship with Christ, the thing that he desires to give us, that's better than riches or gold or silver, is wisdom. And so we're going to start off by thinking, what are, what are some th traits of godly wisdom? Because we know that there's different types of wisdom. There's secular wisdom that leads to death, and there's godly wisdom. So, of course, godly wisdom has to begin with a relationship uh, with God through Jesus Christ. That, that needs to be the starting point. And um, the first thing I'd say is that wisdom, godly wisdom is spirit-given. 
This is something that we can't just try to get. We can't just try to learn it. We need to ask God for wisdom, and the Spirit will give it to us uh, without fail. When we ask, and we're not doubting, the Bible says when you ask without doubting, the Spirit will give you the wisdom you need for every situation. And that, sp- that wisdom is meant to transform us. This is different than knowledge. This isn't an IQ test. How much do you know about the Bible? Can you recite this verse? Wisdom is the skill that's needed to have proper relationships and to take care of our responsibilities well. Uh, and that's what God desires to give us. Wisdom transforms who we are. It doesn't save us, though. We need to be careful with that. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. And uh, I praise God for that uh, he used Solomon to write the book of Proverbs. But as far as we know, the Bible says he didn't end his days in, in that wisdom. And he was disobedient to God. And uh, so wisdom itself doesn't save. But it's one of the things that when we are in a right relationship with God, we can ask it. He will give it to us. And it will transform our lives, helping us to become more like Jesus Christ. It's also scripturally based. So when we have wisdom from the Holy Spirit... It will not contradict Scripture. Uh, Again, when the Spirit moves, the way He's mysterious is because we don't have the answer beforehand. We can't just look at a Bible verse and say, oh, the Holy Spirit said this. Sometimes He does use Scripture. Often He'll bring Scripture to our mind to give us direction. But when He leads us, it will always be in a way that is at least compatible with how God has communicated in the past through His people. And we should be able to know that it doesn't contradict Scripture. Godly wisdom is also solution-focused. Uh, I think the first story I remember of, of Solomon as far as him using his wisdom, uh, God had said, Solomon, I will give you anything. You're, you're, you're my king, and I'll give you anything you ask for. And Solomon said, give me wisdom so that I might lead your people well. And God said to him, you know, Solomon, because you asked for that, which is the best thing you could ask for, I will also give you riches in a long life, and I will give you wisdom more than any person has ever had or ever will have in, in this world. And so one of the first situations we see Solomon using that wisdom is two ladies uh, come towards Solomon and his court, and uh, they're, they're, they're fighting over whose baby uh, this is. There's one baby, and each of them is claiming that that baby is theirs, that they deserve that baby. And um, uh, one lady, what happened is one lady had turned over in her sleep, had smothered her baby, and now she wanted another baby, so she was claiming uh, a, this baby for her own. And in order to figure out whose baby this truly was, Solomon said to one of his soldiers, go get a sword and cut this baby in half. Okay. The first lady just said, yes, do that. That would be really good. That way it's fair for everybody. Cut that baby in half. And the other lady cried out, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. No, by no means. Give the baby to her. That's fine. Give the baby to her. And Solomon, with the wisdom God gave him, said, well, the baby belongs to the woman who's willing to give him up, not to cut him in half because she, she treasures that baby. She loves that baby. She doesn't want to just get even. And so wisdom is solution-focused. It, it gets to the heart of a matter, and it sees things clearly. And it sees things very simply. Um, this one uh, makes me think of... Uh, when some people were trying to trap Jesus and they were saying, Jesus, should we pay our temple, should we pay our taxes to Caesar? And he says, give me a coin. And they give him a coin. He says, whose face is inscribed on this coin? Caesar's, they say. He says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what belongs to God. And the Bible says everybody was astounded. They didn't ask him any more questions, right? It was when we hear wisdom, it's so simple. It just cuts heart. Why didn't I think of that before? 
right? We make things all the complex. I mean, we hear wisdom. It's just simple and pure and clear. And so those are some of the, the, the symbols or evidences of when we have wisdom and when we can know that it's being godly led. So how do we go about getting a, a heart of wisdom? Well, we look at Scripture, and Scripture is God's special revelation to us, and all Scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness. But there's specific Scripture that has been written to give us wisdom. There's the book of Job, book of Psalms, book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, my favorite book is the book of Proverbs, and this is a, a habit that I've made a part of my life, is every day I aim to open up the book of Proverbs and read the chapter that corresponds to the day. And uh, never, without fail, is there, there's always something in that chapter that resonates with me for the day and sticks with me. And I believe the Holy Spirit uses that to help me keep in step with Him. Um, the book of Proverbs is like a kaleidoscope, not like stained glass window. You could look at a stained glass window and say, wow, that's beautiful, and maybe discern a story. But the book of Proverbs is like a kaleidoscope that when you look through, it's dynamic, and it's changing, and it's really beautiful. But it's not like, you can't just pick one thing out of it. Uh, It's sort of very applicable to our lives, because in our days, we don't just have one thing that we're dealing with. We don't have just one area that we need wisdom in. So when you read a chapter in the book of Proverbs, it covers various areas of life. And, and again, it's good to get into our heart because you never know when the Spirit might bring that to mind and say, Doug, this is what you need to know in this situation. And um, they, were, they were written and used because, again, even though they're like little riddle statements, they are divine, they are divine Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're brief, they're, they're easy to remember, they're easy to recall, they're easy to share and discuss. Proverbs are meaty. Uh, if, you, if you really want to get something out of a proverb, you have to let it kind of percolate for a little while and think about it. There's always something there that the Holy Spirit can use to, to say, this is what you need to know for today. So um, one of the reasons why we need the Holy Spirit is that we can read Scripture and we can get truth into us. We can read a verse and memorize a verse, but it doesn't mean that we know how God wants us to live our lives today. Right? Just because we've read the truth doesn't mean that we're living in the truth and in the power of the Holy Spirit. An example would be this one from Proverbs 26, 4-5. Uh, Don't answer a fool according to his foolishness, or, you, or you'll be like him yourself. The next verse is, answer a fool according to his foolishness, or he'll, or he'll become wise in his own eyes. So which one am I supposed to do? Because the Bible says both, Right? And this is where, again, walking in the Holy Spirit is one of those things where as we learn to uh, more about the Holy Spirit and trusting, we can, we, can, um, we can trust that He will guide us into the truth that needs to be lived out in the moment. And uh, so there's often places where it, it's confusing, right? We go through life and we're, Lord, what's the next step? And God promises us to always show us the next step if we're turning to Him. And that next step will be shown to us by the Holy Spirit. And so um, that's why we, it's very important for us not just to say, I'm, I'm glad that I know these Bible verses, I know these Bible stories, I know the right and wrong I shouldn't do. Uh, we need to say, I need to understand what it means to walk in the Spirit. So today what I want to do is, um, I just want to share with you a few Proverbs that have been uh, especially important to me over this last year that God has placed on my heart and uh, have often come to mind uh, as a way to guide my life. 
and, uh, and hopefully to encourage you that this is a book that's, that's worth spending time in throughout the year. Any of the wisdom literature is. Um, who, this is the first one, Proverbs 1, verse 33. Oops, there we go. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be free from the fear of danger. Uh, God has wired me that I enjoy thrill-seeking. I enjoy the, the feeling of danger, knowing that I'm actually not in danger. So roller coasters, skydiving, those kind of things, I love that. I love those kind of feelings. And uh, so, so this verse is important to me because God doesn't promise us a life that's free of danger. What he promises us is a life that's free from the fear of danger. And, and that's important that we don't have a, sale, a fail-safe saying, nothing's going to happen to my body this year, nothing bad's going to happen to me financially. We don't have that kind of promise from God, but what we, have a, we do have is that we don't need to fear danger. We can be rest securely in our Savior if we're listening to God, if we're listening to wisdom. In Proverbs, that's what it means right now, is listening to wisdom. If we listen to wisdom, we can have security and we don't need to fear danger. That's a beautiful thing for someone like me who's often struggled with an anxious heart. To say, Lord, you know what? Whatever comes my way, I want to listen to your Holy Spirit. And I want to live in the security that in your presence I am safe. Whatever happens to my body, whatever happens to my mind, whatever happens in my circumstances, Lord, in you there is true security. <clears throat> And again, that's based on uh, listening to God and obeying Him. Before I move on, I, just, I, I did want to mention Romans 8, 38 and 39. As far as those, when you, when you struggle with fear of danger, these words from Paul are, has, have been hugely encouraging for me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me, separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The only thing in this world that could happen that would be terrible would be separated from our God. And we don't need to worry about that if our lives are in Christ and if we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 3, verse 7. First of all, all wisdom comes from God. And the danger sometimes is when we've walked with God for a while, and I'll just say when I've walked with God for a while, uh, I can be on autopilot. I can be living a good life. I can be knowing the right things to say, doing the right things. And all of a sudden realize that I, I'm doing that sort of without even asking the Holy Spirit for his guidance in the situation and, and living in the wisdom that I've learned over the years without asking God for his wisdom now, right? Because we've all learned things in our past that help guide us and make our choices in the future. But the danger is that we rely on that to the neglect of asking in the moment, Lord, how am I supposed to answer this question? Lord, help me in making this decision. And we just, and I could just go back into my old uh, repertoire of, uh, of wisdom that the Lord has maybe taught me over the years and rely on that which is wonderful to have as a, a resource to turn to and God will use but to fail to ask God in the moment to be uh, saying Lord I'm in a relationship with you and I want to know what you're saying now not what you said last week or two months ago so this verse says don't consider yourself to be wise fear the Lord and turn away from evil 
Um, fear of the Lord, that phrase is a hugely important one. It's, it's mentioned over 18 times in the book of Proverbs. And again, it's that fear that helps us remember that I need to be in the presence of God. I need to turn to Him for everything. Because when I rely on myself, I am actually going the direction of evil. Right? When I'm relying on my own wisdom and not God's, I'm, turning, I'm, I'm going away from righteousness and I'm turning towards evil. The Bible would say, Doug, submit everything that you are to God and then resist the devil and free from him. Doug, submit all your thoughts to God. Doug, submit all your plans to God. Doug, submit all the things that you think are right and wrong to God so that the way that you view life is through the lens of the Holy Spirit and not through your own. And that's uh, been a hugely important verse that comes back in, uh, into my mind uh, time and time again. Proverbs three twenty-seven to 28 says this, When it's in your power, don't withhold good from the one it belongs to. Don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow when it is there with you now. Um, I just, I bought a house, oh, it's almost three years ago now. Time goes by really quick. And one of the reasons I bought a house is because I wanted neighbors who weren't as transient as they were in my apartment. I wanted people who I could get to know, hopefully, for the long haul. And uh, this has been one of those proverbs that God has put in my heart again and again when I see people. And most of the time, it, it's based on a need that's not a, a financial need or anything like that. It's usually the need of relationship. It's usually the need of time. And uh, I'll, I'll come with a neighbor, and you can just tell that they're hungry to talk or hungry just to just to be with someone for a while. And uh, I can think, oh, well, I'm, I'm busy. I need to go somewhere. I need to do something. And God will just continually remind me, Doug, you know what you have? You can make that. Be there for this person. Listen to this person. Uh, help them however you can. And uh, don't say that you'll do it to tomorrow because you're not guaranteed to tomorrow. Right? The Bible says don't boast what you're going to do the next day because you're not even guaranteed that. Do what you can today. And... Um, and the Bible tells us, uh, James 4, verse 17 says, When you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you sin. I don't know if you guys feel that pressure sometimes too, where you know that there's someone that you need to spend time with. You can tell that they need you. They need the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ through you in their lives. And all they're looking for is some time. And uh, so anyways, this is one that's made me think about my neighbors and say, you know what? Uh, with God's help, I need to be there uh, for them and to invest in them and to give them the help that they need uh, when they ask for it. Proverbs 10, verse 7 says, The remembrance of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Um, throughout this year, we have had many different uh, deaths within our, our church family, whether it's right within our family or our loved ones, fathers, mothers, uncles. And uh, you know what? Time and time again, I, I, I've gone to funerals, and uh, even with Kevin and Terry, we've left sometimes. We said, man, I wish I had known that person more, right? When it's the, the parent of someone or whatever, and I've never met them before, and I've gone to the funeral, and I thought, wow, this would have been a beautiful person to know. Uh, that's the, the remembrance of the righteous. That, that is a blessing. And, um, and for me, this year too, there's been a few close friends who have died, and, and um, every time I think of them, there's this, tinge of mourning and there's also this tinge of joy because they just thinking about them brings a smile to your face because they live such good lives and I think that's that's an encouragement to me 
right? That, that I want to be remembered in that way so that in this choice, I have a choice to make. Am I going to live righteously or am I going to live selfishly? Because in the long run, these are the kind of things that will uh, stay, that will be what you leave behind is who you are, who, you're, who your character is with the people that you do life with. And uh, regularly, in my mind, I, I see this time frame. It changes every year. The 1972 doesn't. That's when I was born. But the 2013 is there. And, and it's like, okay, if the Lord takes me this year, am I thankful for how I've lived? And am I, am I comfortable with the testimony that will be left through my life? Because I don't know if that higher number will go to uh, 42 or if it will be 2015. Uh, I do know we're entering into 2013 and I need to know, am I comfortable with the person that Christ is making me today? Am I, and am I living in a way that would leave a good testimony? Um, that little dash in between has so much significance. Uh, we are only here for a moment. Our lives are but dust, right? We wither like the grass. And yet we can leave a legacy of righteousness that will be a blessing to the people who come after us. And, uh, and in heaven, the Bible says, too, that the righteous one will never be forgotten. They will always be remembered. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And that's so important for us. Proverbs uh, 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. Again, if you uh, struggle with anxiety... Uh, this sounds like a no-brainer. Yeah, of course, if someone set, comes to me and, and encourages me, I'll feel better. That's, that would be great, right? And those of you who have the gift of encouragement, uh, use it. There are people all around you who struggle with anxiety, and when you're able to give words of life, uh, that's wonderful. So that, when I read this proverb, that's the first thing it means. When I'm heavy-hearted, uh, if someone comes by and gives me a good word, that will cheer me up. Um, but that sort of makes me in a waiting spot, right? I have to wait for someone to come and, and how are you going to, you know, encourage me today? Uh, and I think God has more out of this proverb than that. It's, it's a way to deal with stress myself when I'm in a stressful situation. And it says that a good word cheers it up. It doesn't mean that a, necessarily that receiving a good word cheers you. It can also be giving a good word. Have you ever noticed that, that if you're in a down spot and all of a sudden you have a chance to go and encourage someone else, it lifts your spirits as well? Uh, that's often what this verse has meant to me, is that it's, it's more, even in the words of encouragement, it's more blessed to give than to receive them. And that when I'm anxious, one of the best things that I can do is go and find someone and encourage them in their walk with the Lord and in their life. And in that, God uh, releases my anxiety and helps me see life in a way that is uh, according to his will. The next couple deal with the taming of the tongue. Um, if you've read through the book of James, you know James uh, says the tongue is like a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. He's saying this, the tongue is a dangerous item in your body. It's a muscle that can be used for good or evil and if it's used for evil, it can destroy and so Proverbs has lots and lots of uh, uh, Proverbs verses that deal with the power of the tongue. And uh, throughout my life, these are ones that I've struggled with and that the Holy Spirit has brought to mind time and time again to help me. Uh, first is Proverbs 10, verse 19. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is wise. Uh, 
So just by the fact of keeping on talking, sin is going to happen. Sin is unavoidable when there's many words. And so for, for someone like me who's uh, kind of extroverted, I like to talk out loud, I brainstorm out loud. You, you, when you're in a conversation with people, you like it when there's actually conversation and not just silence. There's a lot of danger in just keeping a conversation going uh, and just talking. And uh, the Bible says, you know what? Uh, it's good to, to be short and uh, succinct sometimes because sin uh, is often or is unavoidable when there's many words. Uh, so with that, all I'm going to say here is use words sparingly or stumble, <laughs> right? Use words sparingly or stumble. And um, again, that's one of the things that when I'm in conversations, I often hear God prompting me to remember. Proverbs 13, verse 3, the one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. Um, so avoid trouble by being slow to speak is what this verse would be saying. And... Um, it's, it's been surprising to me over this last year how just keeping that truth in mind that, okay, today I really want to be careful about what comes out of my mouth. That often it's in those spontaneous moments where you've had no time to plan for the conversation that's about to happen and maybe it's a little bit tense or uh, maybe there's some surprising news and, and there's a danger of not responding well. That in those days where we say, oh, you know, just guard my mouth, Lord. Help me not to, to say anything that will be offensive or that will take us down a wrong path in this conversation. Um, it, it amazes me how often the end result of a conversation could be so different just by the words that spill out of our mouth in, in a moment. You're, you say one certain thing, you, you say one certain phrase, and the whole conversation can go bad or the whole conversation can go well. And uh, we need to guard our heart, I mean guard our mouth. The Bible says guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And if we're doing that, I think we can have a lot of peace in what comes out of our heart in conversations. If we're guarding our heart and we're not allowing garbage to come in all the time, we're filling it up with the truth of God's word and we're living in his spirit, we can be quite comfortable that in the spontaneous moments what will come out won't be garbage but it will be good. But the Bible would say still guard your mouth because there's refinement that can be done and there's wisdom in, in, uh, in being very mindful of what's coming through your lips. Two more that deal with taming the tongue. Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, the one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. And the second proverb is very similar to it. Do you see a man who speaks too soon? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Um, I could catch myself doing this at staff meetings sometimes when we're having discussions like, oh, oh, you know, you want to you say something and then all of a sudden the, the, the spirit will remind you, you know what, be, be quiet, let other people talk, listen. Uh, one of the best things to do, if, if this is an issue for you, if this proverb resonates with you, uh, one of the best ways to help in this area is to be a person who begins to ask questions rather than seeking to give answers or opinions. So that when we are in a conversation that we ask questions that help others to express their thoughts and opinions well so that we can actually hear them and learn from them. Um, but for me, the big thing here was God's been teaching me a lot about this in human relationships. But it's also so true about in our relationship with God. Um, I don't know if you find this, but quite often with God, I could be the one who, who does most of the talking. Right? I, can, I can ask God for something and then I just keep on talking or I find my own answer in his word and I don't really stop and listen to him. Uh, or or I, 
I, I ask God for something and I just, I just move ahead too quickly. And I think really that this is, these verses are really important for us and, and for me to remember in my relationship with God that, um, you know what, listening to God is hugely important and, and I should be able to monitor in my time. When I say that I spend time with God, is that listening to that hymn or is it speaking to him? What does it look like when I say I'm spending time with God? And more and more I want it to be uh, listening uh, to him. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Uh, I've continually been asking God to increase my compassion for others, especially uh, when I've been offended by them. Lord, give me a compassionate heart to people who have offended me, and help me to really care about them. One of my professors at Denver Seminary, his name is David Osborne, he shared this story with our class he, he, uh, that he said it was helpful for him in this regard. Uh, when he was about 10 years old, there was a little uh, stray dog that was in their neighborhood, and they ended up adopting this dog, and they called him Barnacle because this dog would just stuck to them and wouldn't want to let go. The dog went with them wherever, they, wherever he went. And it wasn't much longer that this dog was uh, hit by a truck and when Dave, as a, a young boy, went outside, he saw his dog kind of crawling towards the house and trying to get off the street. And Dave had gone and got a pillow, and he was going to the dog to pick the dog up and bring him to the house so that the dog could just die in, in peace. And as he was going down, and he, he put the pillow like this to get the dog, the dog bit him. And, and he, was, he kind of got angry. He's like, well, why? Like, what am I, you know... What did I do wrong? Are you mad at me? You know, and uh, it wasn't long before he realized, as a, as a little boy, that the the dog wasn't angry with him. The dog was in pain, and when you're in pain, you bite. And uh, it was because of his proximity, not because of who he was, or it had, it had nothing to do with him. And he said he he started translating that into his relationships with people. Often, that so often when we've been offended, we're so self-centered in that that we think it's all about us, whereas we're not even aware of what the other person is going through who, uh, who has offended us or who has bitten us. And that usually the, the biting is just a symptom. It is not the illness. That there's real hurt that causes people to bite us. And uh, so when, we're, when we understand that, it gives us patience because we realize that this is only a symptom. This isn't really about us right now, maybe. This is something deeper, and it gives us patience. Um, I bought a kettle yesterday and I plugged it in, had a cup of tea, and the illustration from a kettle would be is that the place the steam comes out, if you don't like the steam, if you don't like that, you wouldn't plug it at the top, it's just going to explode on you, you have to take away the heat. And uh, there needs to be release when there's heat. And often people bite when there's hurt in their life. And so anyways, I just hope that's an encouragement to you. That, that story has come into my mind again and again, that when... Uh, when I, and not only when people are that way to me, but when I'm that way to others. Why am I so short with that person today? It really has nothing to do with them. You know, why am I that way? And allowing the Holy Spirit then to bring to mind what it is that's causing me to, uh, to bite others. Proverbs 24 verse 10 says this, If you do nothing in a difficult time, your strength is limited. Uh, the literal meaning of do nothing is if you go slack, and difficult time would mean is if you're in a restricted time. If you're just feeling there's pressure all around you and you do nothing, your strength is limited. And uh, there's been many times over this last year where I've just felt 
kind of everything's coming in. And instead of acting, it's easy to be distracted, right? Oh, you know, I just don't want to face this right now. Maybe I'll watch a little bit more TV or maybe I'll do something, you know, do something different. And this proverb is saying when you're feeling, when you're feeling pressured, do something about it. Act. Take a step in the direction of a solution instead of being distracted and not doing anything or taking a step back from it. Enter into the difficulty and then you will see the Holy Spirit work. Not when you just wait. And that's been the challenge that God has always been putting in front of my mind is when you're feeling a difficult time, don't shy away from it and the strength of the Holy Spirit move into it. And that the troubles that we experience today is God's training that he gives us for being ready for the events of tomorrow. Two more Proverbs for today. And uh, this one is Proverbs 25, verse 26. And it says, Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Um, you've probably all seen the illustration a number of times where there's you know, a jar of water. I was going to bring one, a jar of water, and you just put one drop of food coloring, and it just goes through everything. And to think that in our lives, in my life, that uh, a wrong decision by choosing wickedness over righteousness can taint everything as far as a testimony for Christ. And that isn't just harmful to, the, to your loved ones who are watching your life who want to know about, more about Christ. It actually even hurts the wicked because tainted water is tainted water. It's polluted. It's good for nothing. It doesn't give life. And so to be very on guard uh, with our lives and say, you know what, Lord, I, in, in the fear of Christ... Lord, I want to be making right decisions that don't pollute the, the righteousness that I have in you. Because when that happens, that only brings destruction. Um, Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. Just sharing that to balance it out is that it doesn't mean that if I just sin, because we all sin every day, right? We're sinning uh, way more than what we're aware of. But the Bible says that God will continually pick us up and draw us back to him. And that's an encouragement that we need, that when we sin and we're made aware of it, God will uh, renew us. He forgives us. But there are these kind of events that can happen where the water can become polluted. And this is a danger that the Bible is saying is that wickedness can overcome righteousness if we take our eyes off of Christ. And so let's not let that happen. The final verse uh, fairly closely related is Proverbs 29, verse 6. An evil man is caught by sin, but the righteous one sings and rejoices. For the most part, I think this means is that where people, an evil person is, is, is stuck in their sin, they're caught in their sin, for the most part, a righteous person uh, is able to be free from that, not, not to be stuck in sin. They can rejoice in their freedom. I also think it means, at least for me, is that even when I sin, the end result of that and this might take a little bit to wrap your mind around, but when I sin, when I bring it back to God and ask for forgiveness, the end result is that I can sing and rejoice that my sin hasn't enslaved me. Uh, and that happens again more often than I'd like, that I know that I have willfully disobeyed God. And I don't sing and rejoice in that, but I do in the part that after God humbles me, and, and, and I go back to him and say, Lord, forgive me for my willful disobedience. Forgive me for my sin. That that sin no longer is something that I'm accountable for. That I can sing and I can rejoice because I'm free in it. And uh, to balance that out, uh, so then it was, Paul would 
he kind of says the same thing in Romans. And then he says, Romans 6, verse 1 to 4, he says, Well, what shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we can always rejoice that we're not caught in sin, but the main aim is not to settle for sin in our lives, but to live a new life. And that new life needs to be keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think over the coming year, we want to talk more and more about who is this Holy Spirit and how is it that we can come to know him more and to rely on him more and enjoy the freedom that comes in living in the strength he gives and in the peace he gives. Um, So as we close the service today, I just want to encourage you um, that over this coming year, however you decide to pursue wisdom, pursue wisdom and do that wholeheartedly. The Bible would say, Search for it as hidden treasure. And in that, don't be just thinking of wisdom as an object or an item that's added to your mental repertoire, but entering into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit who is the one who brings that wisdom to us that's founded in Christ Jesus. That when I have wisdom in Christ, I start understanding what it means to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. So uh, with that, I I encourage you, um, we have a new year in front of us. And uh, I know that we all want to honor uh, the Lord uh, individually. We want to honor the Lord uh, as a church. And one of the ways that we can truly do that is by people who pursue wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to be the one who provides it and allows us the strength to live in it. So with that, I'm going to ask Kevin to come up. So blessings on you as you enter into the as you enter into the new year this coming week.